Welcome to Snazzy Stories. Put some pepper in thy step and lend an ear to the terrific tales of the past. Hey, welcome to Snazzy Stories. If you would like to keep the storytelling alive, please go to patreon.com slash snazzy stories and donate to my storytelling adventure. Also subscribe to Snazzy Stories Podcast on Spotify, iTunes, many podcast apps, or go to snazzystories.com. 1863 in America was consumed by the Civil War. And even today, when Americans talk of what was happening in the United States in 1863, the first event that comes to mind is the Civil War, particularly in July of 1863, the Battle of Gettysburg. But outside the northern and the southern conflict in the United States, life went on, and some of it wasn't pretty. On January 29, 1863, the worst reported Native American and American soldier engagement, or massacre, occurred on the border of Utah and Idaho, in Preston, Idaho. It is mostly a forgotten tale because the attention of the United States was on the Civil War at the time so not much attention was given to this conflict between a band of Shoshone people and Patrick E. Connors' California Volunteers. The Shoshone people had been living near Bear River for generations and had been living off the land quite well. All their physical needs were met by the elk, deer, bighorn sheep, and fishing in the river, which helped them wait out the winters. However, in the early 1800s, their encounters with the fur trappers began, which wasn't a huge threat to the Shoshone people because the mountain men did not intend on settling in the Shoshone territory. They were only passing through. However, later the Mormon people began to settle in their territory. The relationship between the Mormons and the Shoshones began as civil. In fact, The Shoshone were vital in the Mormon survival and helping show them how to live off the land when the Mormons' first crop failed. But with more and more Mormons coming to what they believed to be Zion and the newcomers hunting on the Shoshone land, there was less food to go around. Brigham Young wanted to try and hold the tension between his people and the native people at bay by telling his Mormon people it was, quote, better to feed them than to fight them referring, of course, to all the native people on whose land the newcomers were residing. The Mormon people eventually came to believe that the Shoshone people were, quote, burdensome beggars, unquote. According to Kenneth Reed, Idaho State archaeologist, quote, hunger, fear, and anger prompted unpredictable transactions of charity and demand between the Mormon settlers and the increasingly desperate and defiant Shoshones. The Indians pretended to be friendly, and the Mormons pretended to take care of them, but neither pretense was very reassuring to the opposite party, The starvation of the native people began to take a toll. Then gold seekers began rushing to the west, which caused more tension. The Shoshone had been cautious of the new people on their land, but when their land was blatantly being taken with no regard for the fact that this land was theirs, and they had been there for hundreds of years, tensions rose quickly. The harsh winter months in Idaho caused the Shoshone leaders to strike back. In 1862, raids for settlers, cattle, and raids on the miners began. The people of Salt Lake City began to get worried for their safety, so they asked the U.S. government to send help. 
they sent Patrick E. Connor to, quote, make clean work of the savages, unquote. Connor was also out looking for justice for a group of miners who were killed. Connor believed the Shoshone people living in the ravine in the northern valley at the confluence of a creek and the Bear River were responsible. A grocery store owner who was friends with the Shoshone warned them about the soldiers coming for them, but Chief Sagwich thought a peaceful agreement could be made. Unfortunately, no mercy was given to the Shoshone people that icy winter morning in 1863. Chief Sagwich emerged from his teepee and noticed a thick fog moving towards his village. However, the fog began to move at an unusual speed. It was no fog. This was the cold breath of Patrick Connor's soldiers riding towards their village to murder the Shoshone people. It was so cold that icicles hung from the soldiers' mustaches. The Shoshone believed that there might be an attack on their village, therefore they began to dig into the riverbanks, and this helped hold off their attackers at first. But Connor ordered some of his men to flank the camp, and the Shoshone people ran out of ammunition. The Shoshone asked to, for a peaceful surrender, but the California volunteers rushed the village, burning the native homes, raping women and children, and killing any Shoshone man, woman, and child in their path. Darren Perry, the chairman or chief of the Northwestern Band of the Shoshone Nation, said, quote, My grandmother told me that her grandfather... Chief Sagwich's son, who was 12 years old and survived the massacre by pretending to be dead, told her that all the teepees were set up right here in the ravine and hugging the side of the mountain. Most of the killing took place between here and the river because the soldiers drove the people into the open and into the river. Unquote. Many Shoshone were driven into the river by the soldiers, and soon these people were frozen to death. One Shoshone elder who survived said that the river had, quote, dead bodies and blood-red ice, unquote. The death toll for the Shoshone people was between 250 to 400, and Connor lost 24 of his men. A Danish pioneer who came across the battlefield claims to have counted 493 dead bodies. Even with the count of the dead between 250 to 400, this massacre was still deadlier than the more recognized massacres, such as the Cheyenne Massacre of Sand Creek with 230 dead in 1864, Maria's Massacre with the killing of 173 to 217 Blackfeet in 1870, and also the killing of 150 to 300 Sioux at Wounded Knee in 1890. Very few Utah and California newspapers reported this event, and this story seems to have fallen through the cracks of history. It was not until 1990 that the area of this horrific scene was given the status of a historical landmark. The Shoshone Nation purchased the land in 2008 and is commemorated by a stone monument. Often we don't like to talk about the dark parts of our history, and that doesn't do anyone any good. Those people who died or experienced horrific events deserve to have their stories told too, not swept under the rug as if nothing happened to them and that their lives didn't matter. In the case of Western expansion, we often look at the territory's progression, but we don't like to see or hear about the dark events that occurred along the way. Events happen every day in our world, and it is a part of our history. And often we justify the wretchedness of it, telling ourselves that casualties happen, 
whether they are financial casualties, civil rights casualties, or human casualties. The problem is justification ends the sense of humanity in all of us. And when that goes, our compassion as human beings dies. And that process begins by not bringing light to the darkness in our history. Thank you for listening to Snazzy Stories. Come back again where everyone has a story.